poodles, boxers, and pugs. Or the strangest combination of all of the above, whatever shape, size, or scruff. That's your dog. That's your dog. Hey guys, welcome to Dog Stories. I'm your host, Serene, and alongside my dear friend Maria Bell in Oakville, Ontario, we'll be talking to people all over the world about our favorite part of life, dogs. This week, we're going to break from our regular routine and talk about some happy developments in the world of dogs and some less happy ones. But let's start with the happy ones, shall we? First up, as you all must be aware by now, Former U.S. Vice President Joe Biden, who became President-elect Biden back in November, is now officially President Biden. Yay! (laughs) What's great about this news is President Biden has two pups, German Shepherds Champ and Major. And let me just say, man, is it good to have dogs back in the White House, isn't it? It'll be good for everyone living and working in there, too. I'm sure the Oval Office can get kind of stressful from time to time. Now, as the first dogs, their responsibilities will probably be to conduct themselves as very well-behaved pooches, greeting staffers and foreign diplomats, making everyone in there feel welcome. I'm sure they'll do a great job. They represent all the dogs across America, after all. But what makes the Biden stepping foot and paw in the White House extra special is where one of the dogs came from. Major, the younger one, was adopted by the Bidens from a shelter, to keep Champ on his toes and extend his golden years. With President Biden now getting comfy in his big chair, that means Major is officially the first shelter dog to call the White House home. So to celebrate, the Delaware Humane Society, where Major was adopted from as a puppy, hosted a virtual party on Zoom, fondly dubbed an inauguration. <laughs> Cute. More than 10,000 people virtually attended, with their pups, of course, and over $100,000 was raised to help care for more shelter dogs like Major. Hopefully, it encourages more dog lovers to check out their local shelters for all the pups who need good homes out there. On behalf of me and Maria for Dog Stories, thank you President Biden and First Lady Dr. Jill Biden for adopting Major and making a difference for shelter dogs everywhere. Now, shifting gears to the next part of this week's show. For our regular listeners, you might remember a couple months back, I had my dear friend Lynn Liu on as a guest on our podcast, along with her amazing little sidekick, Sai, aka Sai Sai the Adventure Dog, short for Cyclops, because Sai only had one eye, but one eye did Sai just fine. As you may recall, and for those who don't know, Lynn and her partner Dan adopted Sai about six months ago. Not long after, they discovered Sai had a severe kidney disease, and they were told it was unlikely he'd live very long. My friends were beyond devastated. How could life be so cruel? They just got Sai, and they had plans. Like, lots of plans. Lynn and Dan are the adventure type. They're big on the outdoors, big on exploring, big on fun. And suddenly, they were feeling like all the plans they had with Sai were going poof. And more importantly, they wouldn't have Sai by their side for much longer. My friend Lynn is not the type to let life tell her how it's going to be. She's as human as the rest of us, sure, but she's more creative than most. And just like she always does, she found a way to turn dark clouds into sunny skies. For you X-Men fans, I guess you could say she's kind of like Storm 
the badass mutant whose superpower is to change the weather. Sai really needed his storm, and Storm really needed her Sai. Lin wasted no time and quickly got to work. She learned everything she could about Sai's condition to give him the best care and the most love that anyone possibly could. She started a website and an Instagram at Sai Sai the Adventure Dog and vowed to do 100 new things with him in whatever time they had left. Speaking as her friend, it was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen a person go through. It was painful for her, every day, and it was scary, especially on days where Sai clearly wasn't having much fun and didn't have the energy or the enthusiasm to go on adventures. But Lin put his well-being, his happiness, as her top priority, number one with a bullet, because she loved the hell out of him, and because she knew every day they had left was precious. And over the past few months, they did so much together. They made so many memories, they made each other so happy. But unfortunately, we all have an expiry date. And this past week, Sai met his. To say the very least, Sai's passing um, has made me sad. I only got to spend a handful of days with him. But in that time, he really moved me. He was such a special little guy. He was kind, he was curious. He was a gentleman of the highest order. And he took to Marley instantly, and respectfully, he fell in line. They really felt like a pack off the bat. When I was around Sai, I noticed that he was quiet, but very observant. He didn't bark much, except this one time Marley barked at something, and so Sai barked too. But you could tell he just really wanted a pack to belong to. He wanted to follow someone's lead. And with Lynn and Dan, Sai got his chance. My favorite memory of Sai was this one time we went into a grocery store to grab something really quick. Um, and of course, we brought the pups in because the owners are cool like that. Um, but anyways, we were in an aisle buying chips and I looked down and noticed Sai tugging on a bag of white bread. Like nice white bread. He tugged and tugged, ever so gently pulling it right off the shelf. I bought the bread, of course, because for one, a dog had touched it, so it felt like the responsible thing to do. But for two, I'm the kind of uncle who buys the kids what they want. And I wanted to make sure Sai got what Sai wanted. <laughs> we called it Sai bread. And we always will. Seriously, I'm going to buy that bread like every week. (laughs) Lynn told me bread was actually the last thing Sai would eat during his last days, which is kind of special in itself. I'll always have Sai bread on my grocery list from now on, and it'll always make me smile. So thanks for that, Sai. A couple years ago, um, when my dog Coco, my beautiful chocolate lab little sister, passed away, um, my co-host Maria sent me and my family a very sweet letter in the mail. Uh, It was called The Last Will and Testament of an Extremely Distinguished Dog, and it was written in 1940 by a Mr. Eugene O'Neill, an American playwright and a Nobel laureate in literature. He wrote this letter to comfort his wife Carlotta as their canine child, Blemmy, was in his last few days on earth. What he wrote 
and what my friend Maria sent me was incredibly comforting to receive during what was easily the hardest moment in our family's life. So in size honor for my friends Lynn and Dan, I wanted to do a reading of that same letter, which I hope will ease the hurt in their hearts, at least for a moment. And it goes like this. The Last Will and Testament of an Extremely Distinguished Dog by Eugene O'Neill. I, Silverdean Emblem O'Neill, familiarly known to my family, friends, and acquaintances as Blemmy, because the burden of my years and infirmities is heavy upon me, and I realize the end of my life is near, do hereby bury my last will and testament in the mind of my master. He will not know it is there until after I'm dead. Then, remembering me in his loneliness, he will suddenly know of this testament, and I ask him then to inscribe it as a memorial to me. I have little in the way of material things to leave. Dogs are wiser than men. They do not set great store upon things. They do not waste their days hoarding property. They do not ruin their sleep worrying about how to keep the objects they have and to obtain the objects they have not. There is nothing of value I have to bequeath except my love and my faith. These I leave to all those who have loved me. To my master and mistress, who I know will mourn me most, to Freeman, who has been so good to me, to Sin and Roy and Willie and Naomi, and but if I should list all those who have loved me, it would force my master to write a book. Perhaps it is vain of me to boast when I am so near death, which returns all beasts and vanities to dust, but I have always been an extremely lovable dog. I ask my master and mistress to remember me always, but not to grieve me for too long. In my life, I have tried to be a comfort to them in time of sorrow, and a reason for added joy in their happiness. It is painful for me to think that, even in death, I should cause them pain. Let them remember that while no dog has ever had a happier life, and this I owe to their love and care for me, now that I have grown blind and deaf and lame, and even my sense of smell fails me so that a rabbit could be right under my nose and I might not know, my pride has sunk to a sick, bewildered humiliation. I feel life is taunting me with having overlingered my welcome. It is time I said goodbye, before I become too sick of a burden on myself and on those who love me. It will be sorrow to leave them, but not a sorrow to die. Dogs do not fear death as men do. We accept it as part of life, not as something alien and terrible which destroys life. What may come after death? Who knows? I would like to believe, with those my fellow Dalmatians who are devout Mohammedans, that there is a paradise where one is always young and full-bladdered, where all the day one dillies and dallies with an amorous multitude of huris, or lovely nymphs, beautifully spotted, where jackrabbits that run fast but not too fast, like the huris, are as the sands of the desert, where each blissful hour is mealtime, where in long evenings there are a million fireplaces with logs forever burning, and one curls oneself up and blinks into the flames and nods and dreams, remembering the old brave days on earth and the love of one's master and mistress. 
I am afraid this is too much for even such a dog as I am to expect. But peace, at least, is certain. Peace and long rest for weary old heart and head and limbs, and eternal sleep in the earth I have loved so well. Perhaps, after all, this is best. One last request I earnestly make. I have heard my mistress say, When Blemmy dies, we must never have another dog. I love him so much I could never love another one. Now I would ask her, for love of me, to have another. It would be a poor tribute to my memory never to have a dog again. What I would like to feel is that, having once had me in the family, now she cannot live without a dog. I have never had a narrow, jealous spirit. I have always held that most dogs are good. And one cat, the black one, I have permitted to share the living room rug during the evenings, whose affection I have tolerated in a kindly spirit, and in rare sentimental moods, even reciprocated a trifle. Some dogs, of course, are better than others. Dalmatians, naturally, as everyone knows, are best. So I suggest a Dalmatian as my successor. He can hardly be as well-bred or as well-mannered or as distinguished and handsome as I was in my prime. My master and mistress must not ask the impossible, but he will do his best, I am sure. And even his inevitable defects will help by my comparison to keep my memory green. To him I bequeath my collar and leash and my overcoat and raincoat, made to order in 1929 at Hermes in Paris. He can never wear them with the distinction I did, walking around the Place Vendôme or later along Park Avenue, all eyes fixed on me in admiration. But again I am sure he will do his utmost not to appear a mere gauche provincial dog. Here on the ranch, he may prove himself quite worthy of comparison in some respects. He will, I presume, come closer to jackrabbits than I have been able to in recent years. And for all his faults, I hereby wish him the happiness I know will be his in my old home. One last word of farewell, dear master and mistress. Whenever you visit my grave, say to yourselves with regret, but also with happiness in your hearts at the remembrance of my long, happy life with you. Here lies one who loved us and whom we loved. No matter how deep my sleep, I shall hear you. And not all the power of death can keep my spirit from wagging a grateful tail. And that's it. Fiend. To any of you listening who might have a sick or elderly canine, and are probably thinking about having to say bye to your best friend soon, I can only hope that this reading helped you in some way. And if you're having trouble coming to terms with the end, I hope you'll think of my friend Lynn and her adventures with Sai. And remember, it's not about how much time we have together, because we'll never really know how much time we get. But it's how you spend whatever time you do have. Life is precious, and love is everything. And love of a dog? In my opinion, even more. So please, do whatever you can for your pups. Make their days shine, make their spirits soar, and their hearts smile. Because no matter what, You'll always have those memories to keep. Like my dear friend Lynn. Sai Sai, thanks for being a part of our lives. We're all so happy we got to know you. Wherever you are, just know this one's for you, bud. Marley sitting right next to me 
and I'm sure he'd really want me to tell you he misses you too. We all do. Take care of yourself, puppers. I can promise you that no matter where your mom and dad go on their adventures, you'll always be by their side. Thanks for listening, guys. Hug your pups. Got any dog stories you'd like to share? Bet you do. So shoot over an email to dogstoriespodcast at gmail.com. You digging these episodes of Dog Stories? We'd love it if you left us a review. Or, hey, subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts. Music provided by Sarah Margaret Huff and Barks provided by Marley and Lexi.